We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we feeling? Uh, Nick, how much uh, do you plan to give percentage-wise uh, to the Brooklyn Buzz this season? About 99%, Jack. Not 100, uh-huh. just, you know, 99. You know, there's that 1% where, you know, Nets are going to piss me off. So, you know, maybe those games I won't be as good, but 99%. Um, well, it's 11% of what KD is going to give the Brooklyn Nets, apparently. But, uh, Jack, very eventful 72 hours for the Nets um, obviously, Media Day, Kyrie Irving, all of these things. We're going to jump into that. But as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do you want to start? Look, we'll just start with – I want to give a bit of context to the what it took for me to put all this together, Nick. Now, I'm not asking <laughs> for you know, a goddamn award, but just to show people like you know the amount of work that I put into this thing, I'm giving 100% staying up till – Five stars two, two, Yeah, two, give us some five stars for it, please, because staying up till 2, 2.30 a.m., uh, to prepare a podcast uh, while fun and was good just scrolling the timeline. Uh, it does take a bit of work, but thank you to everyone who was putting out the quotes and such. It makes it my and Nick's life a lot easier. And I guess we'll we'll jump into the big news, Nick, and that's Kyrie Irving and, and his appearance. Obviously, he wasn't at Barclays Center, the only player not to be, which is a positive sign in comparison to some other teams. Now, obviously, we have heard that it's 90% of the league. And, you know, obviously, it's a, a pretty vocal 10%, but in saying that, Kyrie Irving's quote in relation to the vaccination status. He said, I like to keep that stuff private. I'm a human being first, handled the right way with my team. Please respect my privacy. I would like to keep it that private. Everything will be released at a due date once we get this cleared up. Um, I'm excited to enjoy this day by day, the ups and the downs. I know I'll be there each and every day and present for my teammates. I feel like I have fallen short these past couple of seasons. Focus is at an all-time high with no distractions. Um, look... Nick, what do you think, mate? Yeah, I mean, obviously we had multiple reports over the weekend as well saying, you know, he's not vaccinated and he doesn't want to and all these different things and how he has an argument against it. Obviously, it's disappointing. Is it super surprising? Not really. Like I kind of mentioned you before going into this season, if I had to guess, you know, name players to the top of the list who 
would be against the vaccine. Kyrie would probably be in, in a name that popped into my mind. So it's not super surprising, but again, it is disappointing because he says he doesn't want to be a distraction. Obviously, this was pretty much talked about all weekend long. Every single player today at Media Day was pretty much asked about it. Sean Marks, uh, Steve Nash, you know, everybody. And that's kind of been the focus here. And obviously, you know, the Nets want him to be there and be part of this team at the highest level and allow them to focus on the task at hand because there's going to be plenty of other drama throughout the season from outside sources. So you want to have him locked in and ready to go. And yes, it's great that he says he's focused and he doesn't want to be a distraction, but obviously doing this and being separated from the team and then talking and then not really addressing the vaccination, which has been the discussion, kind of just creates more distraction for the team and kind of turns focus even for himself, even as much as he said he wants to be focused. Obviously, this is going to be something on his mind because I would assume he's receiving some pressure from his team and from his teammates. I think maybe team, but I don't think teammates, Nick. It seemed to me that, you know, all basically all the players were asked about it, where Kevin Rantz give a pretty definitive no, James Harden, the same thing. I think Bruce and Joe was the funniest one. They sort of just looked at each other like, who's going to answer this question? You, me. I think Kyrie is a guy that uh, beats to his, you know, his own drum, whatever the sort of saying is. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing in this status. Look, the only thing I can look at it from a positive lens is that he's not Andrew Wiggins. He's not Bradley Beal. Or maybe he is, and we just don't know. You know maybe some of those things that were reported are true. But ultimately, I think this is still something that's going to play out because the Nets alongside, is it the LA teams you know, the and Golden State as well, the the, their separate state rules uh, are much more restrictive in, in the fashion that Kyrie Irving can't play home games unless he's vaccinated. And were you going to go a whole season with Kyrie Irving just playing on the road? Look, I, I don't know, but Kevin Rant was sort of saying, you know, we, we hope he'll be back soon and we know he'll be back soon. He's doing his own thing. I ultimately think this is something that's still going to play out. You know, he's going to be at, at, at training camp in San Diego because the restrictions uh, that are in place there in terms of vaccination status aren't the, the same as what they are uh, in the state of New York. But at the same time, you know, will we see him by opening night? Will we see him during preseason games? I, I'm, It's honestly a question that we can't answer yet. And look, I don't, I'm not a person that's just like, you know, I'm telling people what to do and I'm this sort of person, but... I think the pretty simple solution is to just get the vaccine. You know, we get so many other vaccines and so many other, th we put so many other things into our body that it's just a, a pretty simple solution to what might be a complex question. You know, I just hope that uh, he's, Kyrie Irving seems to be smart enough and we, he's, he obviously uh, is uh, an individual thinker, which can be a good and a bad thing. But in this case, there's a, a simple solution to all of this, and hopefully it's it's one that is solved sooner rather than later. Um, I'm probably a bit angrier than what I'm saying right now, but I'm, I'm, I'm withdrawing judgment in the fact that this is something that can be resolved, and I think Kyrie knows that. 90% um, of the NBA know that. You know, almost 80, 85% of Australia is going to know that. You know, there's places all around the world, you know, the UK and such. But this isn't a, a COVID podcast, and I want to. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to getting into a lot of the the quotes that are talking about the basketball stuff. But it's obviously something we we need to touch on first. And look, we'll see how the next week, two or three, does pan out, Nick. Because you know, the Nets. We we talked about it previously. Do the Nets need Kyrie to win the championship? I don't think they need him in the regular season to win all these, you know, sort of games and such. And but at the same time, you know, Kyrie would be. Kyrie's availability is going to be a talking point until it isn't. That's as, It's as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, 
even without this, you have, you know, the injury stuff, you know, taking the time off last year as well. So obviously, like you said, hopefully it gets resolved. Sean Marks did seem confident at his press conference saying that he thought everyone would be ready. So he's usually pretty on par, you know, like you said, there's going to have to be an end to it, or at least we'll have a more information in probably the next week, or at least by the start of the season. So we'll kind of address it as it goes. Like you said, it's disappointing, but hopefully it is resolved in a positive way, which means Kyrie getting the vaccine. Yeah. Simple as that. And, and, and look, it's a, it's probably a topic we're going to have to discuss going forward for however long, but as it stands, you know, like we sort of said, we'll see how it does and how the, how the journey does go there. And we'll, we'll address it as it comes to force. But Nick, I wanted to, obviously, the initial, Kevin Durant was the first one to speak to media, and uh, David Letterman, I'm not sure if you heard of this guy of Basketball Digest, was asking some pretty weird and wacky questions. A lot of people weren't in on the joke, it seemed, and we did obviously get the the revelation, I think it was from Ryan Rucco, that apparently Dave Letterman was doing some sort of show, and Kevin Durant um, is going to be appearing on it. I must say that I'm I'm a massive Letterman fan for uh, in a lot of reasons. You know, I almost got tickets to see him when I was in New York. You know, about five years ago. But what did you think? I guess of Kevin Durant's response, and what do you think of his nickname, KD? <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it was great. It was kind of like a fun way to start off the press conference. And like you said, I would assume it's going to be part of the show in some way or something that it was filmed out because I feel like. KD was kind of doing it almost on purpose to an extent. Like he could have easily had those as normal responses to a reporter, but it kind of felt like it was planned out. So it was fun. Good way to kick things off and kind of almost take some of the attention away from the other stuff. I think a lot of people were saying that, Nick. And what do you think, I guess, of that? Do you think that this was pre-planned and they're like, oh, we're going to have all this Kyrie Irving stuff? You know, but let's get one of the, the great New York City icons in here to distract from that. Is that a good ploy? Is that a bad-natured ploy from the Nets? Or do you think this was just, you know, all of that, I guess, hoopla, to use Kyrie Irving's words, um, was a bit of a blow? I think it could have been planned out in advance. I mean, if it was, like, short-term, the Nets just kind of reacted over the last 48 hours, that's really good PR work. Like, that's very clever and that's smart. Like, that's something that you're trying to do. That's the person's job to kind of take the attention away from the negative and put to something fun and positive. So, but I would assume, like, if it is for an upcoming show that it probably was planned out in advance and, you know, I think it did kind of benefit in some way, but at the end of the day, you know, the negative stuff's always going to be talked about way more. Definitely. But yeah, I thought that was uh, quite fun, quite funny. Um, but in terms of other quotes that Kim and Rand sort of alluded to, my favorite one, Nick, was the one pertaining to uh, my Aussie goat uh, and Patty Mills. And it seems that the report they built so quickly. I know you sent me a DM sort of saying that, you know, Kim and Rand's going to, his apology to, for stealing the, the gold away from Patty is going to be, you know, winning a championship. But he also said this about uh, Mr. Mills. Paddy's a basketball junkie. We talked about scheme and how we can fit in, how he can fit in with the team. I let him know we play a free-flowing type of game and everyone touches the basketball. Man, I can't wait. I, I think I mentioned on the lineup episode, I'm pretty sure if I didn't mention KD and Paddy Mills, that that was very derelict in my duty. But <laughs> KD and Paddy uh, on the court together, my brain and other parts of my body are going to explode. Yeah, I mean... They both seemed really excited to play with each other. And obviously we saw them vibing at the Olympics after, you know, um, USA won gold. But 
I think it, he's going to be a great fit. And I think that kind of excites a player. You know what I mean? When you have a positive mindset kind of going to something and you're looking forward to it, it feels like you're going to be more prepared and you're going to be more locked in. Never that I had a question about that with Patty Mills, but it just seems like he's really excited for this opportunity. And it seems like Katie's really excited to play off a guy like that as well. Just another weapon on the team. Yeah, I mean, everyone's fallen in love with Patty. You know, all the little media tidbits that he's doing, you know, with Yes Network, with the, the beat writers, yeah, the if there was that, yeah, the radio team, which was just so much. Just get a like hearing get a just as a as an Australian to another. There's just a, a natural kinship there, and, and for those that aren't aware of what get a means, it's actually you know shorthand for good day. We Aussies <laughs> are very, very lazy in how we uh, address each other around the world. But in, in saying that, Nick, I, I, my other favorite photo from Kevin Rabbit, I think he he said this when he was speaking to. Uh, Ryan and Sarah at the Yes Network talking about just his relationship with basketball. And he said, when you're in a tough relationship with something like basketball, there's going to be some ups and downs. For me individually, I've got to keep getting better. I look forward to grinding every day. I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm always fascinated. My favorite thing about Kevin Durant is when he talks about the craft, his craft, yep. the sport itself. Um, I, there are a few people who are as thoughtful, knowledgeable, um, and, and treat the game with such respect uh, and, and, and has that on a pedestal, I think Kevin Durant, and I, I love hearing him talk about this stuff. I, it's, it's why we love him on the podcast. It's why we love him, you know, getting asked really, you know, thoughtful questions by smart people like Ryan and Sarah and, and the Nets media. Um, this was a really cool quote. Yeah, it kind of just echoes kind of what he talked about last year and his approach to the season and different things and that he wants to be the best version of Kevin Durant. Like if he can perfect anything in his game, he's going to try to do that. And obviously, like he said, there's going to be ups and downs and things you need to work on. And it just is, you know, ideal. Like your best player in your team, still one of the best players in the NBA, arguably the best player in the NBA, all time great at this point. And he still wants to continue to get better and add to his game at this point in his career. It just kind of echoes exactly what you want. And it's a great role model for the team and the rest of the players, especially the young guys. Yeah, well, according to Sports Illustrated and ESPN, he's the best player in the world. I think we've said that for a very, very long time. And I, 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 again, I'm I'm never going to lose sight of the fact that Kevin Durant plays for the Nets. You know, and I, I haven't gone through the, the years of, of hardship, you know, pain. from the New Jersey days, all the pain and such. Um, but I, I still crown myself as incredibly lucky to, to have this guy on my team. And, you know, obviously he talked about the contract stuff as well. Um, and, but also another person who talked about contract stuff was James Harden. So we'll get to him, Nick. Um, in relation to that extension, uh, we talked a little bit about with Sean Marks uh, on previous episodes. He said, uh, this is James Harden. I don't see myself anywhere else, but I'm taking my time. There's no rush. I want to bring a championship to the city. A matter of if, not when, Nick. A matter of yeah. when, not if, sorry. Yeah, I think you're right, Jack. I mean, like we talked about on a previous show, Sean Marks was pretty confident in these extensions getting done. And James Harden looked really happy. Like, it was just a great media day for him. He just looked excited, kind of took on that leadership role. Like, this is really like he's running this team with Kevin Durant. So this obviously made a ton of sense. And I expect him to be in Brooklyn long term. They're just probably working out some details and some different things. And it's really exciting to have James Harden and Kevin Durant on your team and talking about the organization in such a positive light. Yeah, look, the, the long-term success is is going to be in good stead, even with just James Harden and, and Kevin Durant with their extension. Kyrie Kyr spoke a little bit about it, I think, with less less confirmation in, or in, in a less confirmation tone uh, than James Harden and obviously Kevin Durant, who uh, has you know financially confirmed as well. But yeah, in, in saying that, Nick, 
Obviously, uh, a good question about the, the scary hours. Apparently, according to James Harden, they're getting a bit scarier now, Nick. Can they get even spookier? I mean, maybe the, is it the fact that Halloween is on the horizon that the hours are getting scarier in Brooklyn? Why else are they scary? I mean, I think about it this way. Like, if you have, like, a scary figure, the longer it exists, the more fear there is based around it. Like, the reason that the second movie's happening is because people are still scared of the first one. So... You know, I think that kind of works out. And then obviously the team is, I think, better this season. And they're actually going to have a training camp to kind of work together and figure things out and be the best version of the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I think that's probably a really good point, Nick, because we heard a lot of people, you know, Blake Griffin, Nicholas Claxton, all these people sort of say, they're like, you know, we've got an off season. You know, LaMarcus Aldridge, obviously, you know, we'll get to him in a little bit. You know, he's looking pretty fit and healthy, at least from, from everything that he's saying. And look, and maybe Drake's going to have to release some other version of it out. Well, maybe, you know, James Harden might have to get little baby, a little dirt to do scary hours too in some sort of sequel or whatever. Because, you know, obviously he was pretty proud of the fact that he's executive producing some stuff in the off season. Even if uh, some Nets, t- or some, some not, not, not Nets people, but some Twitter pundits aren't happy with how our guys are spending their off season. But one I think thing so if that was like real or fake. Like I, I'm having a hard time these days, kind of figuring out if these tweets are sarcastic or people are really like this crazy. Who knows, Nick? Who knows? But one thing that James Hunt was doing in summer is was getting his body right, and I think that you know he said that he took all summer to get his body right. You know, we saw that video, we discussed it, we were a little bit worried, um, but he looked in good spirits. He looks to be healthy. Um, what are your feelings? Uh, are you optimistic, I guess, about heading into uh, this season? He also said that, you know, his individual goal is to win an MVP. It's not in our little document here, but I remember seeing that. Uh, James Harden, I think, a big season ahead, given that he's now, he knows what Brooklyn is. He knows, you know, how to acclimate to these guys, you know. We'll get to Claxton a little bit too. And, you know, he's going to have really embedded chemistry with pretty much all the guys other than the new dudes and, like, you know, Paul Millsap, LaMarcus uh, a little bit. Obviously, they only played five games together. But, yeah, what do you think, I guess, of, of James Harden and his individual health status and, and mentality uh, heading into the 21-22 season? Yeah, I think he's going to be healthier than last season in better shape. I mean, you just look at it. Last year, he was demanding a trade. He came to camp out of shape. He wasn't in the best version of himself. And then obviously he had the hamstring injury, which kind of kept him out and didn't allow him to be the best version of himself in the postseason either. So I think that alone, you kind of have more confidence that he should be a little bit more fit and hopefully his body holds up. And then like you talked about, the chemistry with his teammates should allow him to take his game to another level, the fit he has. And then just the fact that this is the best team he's ever played on, you know, and he's going to have a full training camp to kind of experience with these different guys. And I think obviously the personal goal of MVP is just something that every great player is going to have. You know, I don't think it's going to impact him and make him play selfish or anything like that. It's more so just like he wants to be the best player in the league, just like Kevin Durant wants to be the best player in the league. They do it in different ways, but it's good for you to have that kind of friendly competition with your teammate. Yeah, look, the the health status is the number one thing for me, and, and that's the number one thing going forward. You know, we heard sort of Sean Marks allude to the fact that, you know, they don't want to be extending guys too much, but... You know, if in the absence of Kyrie Irving, if he's not playing early regular season games, that's going to meet a greater burden on our two superstars. So, yep. you know, there are ramifications to that. Obviously, that's something we'll uh, a bridge will cross if we have to cross it. But yeah, the individual goal of MVP, Nick. You know, maybe he was listening to that Brooklyn buzz a couple of days, weeks ago. I don't know. We've done 450 <laughs> episodes. It's hard to keep up. But you know, I, I put it out there. You know, and MVP candidate that is seriously going under the radar for me is James Harden. And, you know, if anyone's going to win it, I actually do think that he is, you know, a, a pretty goddamn good bet. You know, but 
the uh, maybe the the favorite. Uh, well, it's definitely the favorite quote of Clack City, maybe in the history uh, in since the inception of this great state village, whatever uh, municipality <laughs> that it is. Um, but Nick, he he said this. Claxton reminds me of Clint Capella, but more skilled. The sky is the limit for him. Wowee, Clack City, James Harden, uh, you are an immediately uh, on the, the leadership scape. You can take my role as president, my guy, because the sky is the limit for Clacks. Uh, Clack City is, those buildings are going to be goddamn huge. Yeah, I think that's a really great quote. And obviously, I don't think James Harden would just go around and say like, hey, the sky's the limit for him without really thinking it is. And I think he probably would showcase more of Claxton's skill in the offseason, you know, training with him, seeing how he could handle the basketball, how he had some more to his game, kind of what we talked about, what he did at college. And obviously, the Clint Capella comparison is pretty much Clint was able to utilize playing with James Harden at a really high level, caught a lot of oops, a lot of easy baskets, kind of understood where he needed to be. And obviously, there's potentially more more to Clack's game because he can handle the basketball. That shot is in development. Obviously, I think Clint Capella is a bigger body, but I think even at times Clint was pretty good at switching in Houston. I'm not sure he's the same player he once was there, but that's kind of a thing with Clax can give you that rim protection, but also can switch on to different players. Yeah, Clint Capella is an all-defensive guy, Nick. You know, he is one of the best center defenders in the league and at the position where it matters the most. So. It's a pretty goddamn high praise from James Harden. Um, you know, he's a, I think all of, for those who haven't seen, you know, James Harden, you know, speak to, to the Nets media yesterday or today, whatever day it was. Um, I'm, I'm still very, very tired. Today for me, um, yesterday for you. So there well, we actually, go. Actually, what time? Well, it might be just today for you, actually. Yeah, I'm not sure, man. I'm really not sure. Uh, but even in saying that, the James Harden is 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 awesome to listen to. Just talk about basketball in the same way that Kevin Durant is, as is Patty Mills. But a guy I loved hearing from as well, Nick was just one more on James Harden. Sorry, Jack. Out of everyone I heard, obviously I wasn't at Media Day and I wasn't able to have these interactions with these players, but James Harden just had a really high energy and vibe to him in comparison to other guys. Like He just seemed really excited to be there, really looking forward to the season, and he kind of spoke with a lot of confidence about the team, and I think that's something that you really look for and kind of your vocal leader. So I think that's a big check mark for James Harden. Yeah, I think during like Blake Griffin's media availability, like James Harden was yelling during his photo shoots. And <laughs> I thought that was really fun. And you know, the smoothies are back, so yep. San Diego is going to be fun. We'll be keeping an eye on it. You know, the it's raspberry and peanut butter. That's what he said that he likes in his. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never really had like I've never usually do like the like berry type fruits with peanut butter. It's usually more so like the banana and peanut butter type stuff. So maybe it's raspberry banana and peanut butter. I would assume that it's probably a combination of that. But I think that you know the peanut butter is probably you know for the the protein and you know yeah. that sort of stuff and the berries obviously for, to make it taste good. There's probably some greens in there as well to get those vitamins and minerals. But we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, a man I also love hearing speak, Nick, and despite the fact that, you know, he's... He broke my heart a little bit last year, uh, but uh, he's still got a, a very large chunk of it, and that's Joe Harris. Not big quotes from Joe, but one that isn't on this document that I was uh, I've, I remembered. I saw so many goddamn quotes. I don't know how I'm still remembering some of these, but um, the one that I enjoyed the most was the fact that you know he he didn't really feel the need to go on social media and, and see all the sort of furor and stuff because his mum and his sister <laughs> were giving him plenty himself. So, you know, Joe Harris. Uh, is pretty accountable um, for himself. And if not, his family certainly is. And we know how close Joe is with his family. So I thought that was a, a really fun quote from uh, from Joe. And, you know, he said that he's confident with with who he is as a player right now. And uh, he'll have a big season ahead. But um, Alice, his mum, his family, they're going to be keeping Joey Buckets in check, um, even if Nets Twitter content doesn't continue to do that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think Joe was kind of accountable even right after the postseason and saying that, hey, we played better this series, probably would have went another way. So right off the bat, you kind of knew this was going to be a response. I like to quote, I don't think this is on our sheet, but I saw it across the day at some point. Joe said he used the emotion that he felt after losing and like not performing at a high level in the postseason to motivate him during kind of his offseason workouts and kind of help him get to another level. So obviously, you know, it sucks when you lose in the postseason, especially when you could have played better, but at least he's utilizing that and trying to turn it into a positive. What are you, in terms of Joe Harris hair watch, Nick, you know, the floppy bangs, they're a bit, you know, a bit crazy, a bit shaggy, a bit 70 style. What are your thoughts on them? Yeah, I think, you know, Joe's maybe trying to get noticed a little bit more. Wasn't he at like a tennis event with Blake Griffin and it was just Blake they noticed? So maybe Joe's trying to bring a different level of swag. Obviously, we have the big tattoo on the forearm now. So he's trying to kind of get into the vibe of this team because it is a team that just has a lot of like uniqueness to it. Yeah, uniqueness is is certainly one way to describe the Brooklyn Nets. But now LaMarcus Aldridge, Nick, great, great to see him again. Um, and I think the big thing that I took away from him was him talking about, you know, just how immediately, you know, the immediacy that of, of him wanting to return after making his, his announcement of a retirement. He said this, as soon as I made my announcement, I went home and saw my doctor. We did some tests and everything came back somewhat normal. A month or two after I retired, I did some work on the court and felt normal. I called my agent first and here we are. My whole, whole thing was unfinished business, helping out a great team uh, that I unfortunately had to leave. Nick, that is truly shocking, and in fact, and I think he also did say that there were one or two other teams who were interested in him. And you know, he, the unfinished business is has been a a, a big mantra of this team. You've heard Bruce say it, we've heard Kevin Durant say it, um, but in, hearing this from the Marcus Aldridge, and we sort of said this and preached this, the, the fact that his health is the number one thing. He seems fully fit and firing, um, and 
you know, not to steal uh, a quote from our guy James Harden, but scary hours if Lamarcus Aldridge is is healthy as well. Yeah, he did look fit. He looked happy and good vibes and just kind of seemed confident with what he's trying to do. And then another quote was, I watched every playoff game. I knew that I could give them that one bucket to help out. So it's also just like the motivation of realizing like, hey, I could just be that extra factor in trying to help this team get to that next level and understanding that position and what he could provide. And obviously in limited time, he did showcase some really nice stuff for the team. So it's just nice to see him back out there. And his career not having to end the way that it almost did last year. You know what I mean? Maybe he does retire after the season and that's when a championship, but that's a lot more positive going out on your own and achieving a goal that you obviously look to achieve since you started playing the game. For sure. And hopefully he does get that opportunity and the Nets you know, have a great season for him as well as the team. Um, speaking of uh, big man, Nick, we'll get to Blake Griffin. The big one I took away from Blake today, obviously is a lot of fun. Just, Hanging the funny, the funniest thing I found was you know Sean Marsh was speaking to yep. Ryan Rucco and, and Sarah Kustak and Blake just sort of weirdly just hovering over Sean Marks and Sean Marks is like oh this bloke's gonna he's probably gonna do a bit of stand up for us after as well uh, that's not the best Kerry uh, accent I've ever done. <laughs> Just go watch Taika YTT or, or go watch Store if you want to hear a, a better Kiwi accent than that. Um, but in saying that, Nick, the big thing that I, I heard from him was uh, he said that continuity and healthy offseason were the big things to him. Build upon the things we started uh, to build last offseason. Focus on my game now, specifically on this team. Playing a little bit of a different role. A little bit of a different role. That's a really interesting thing because, you know, what Blake did in the postseason is sort of just a small ball five. Could we be seeing, you know, the fact that he's, you know, having this full off season, we mentioned, you know, seeing him at the tennis like you alluded to a little bit earlier, looks quite trim and fit. Um, could we see the ball more in his hands? Uh, is he going to be more of an offensive hub, you know, through the elbows and such? What do you think this little bit of a different role thing could mean? I mean, he could also just be referring that he's like adapting into this new role that he kind of has with the Nets compared to what he was with the Pistons and the Clippers and all that. Or it could be something a little bit different. There was another quote from him today kind of talking about his health as well, saying that like he felt really good last year in the playoffs. So he feels even better now. And then listening to him on, I think it was the J.J. Redick podcast, he talked about how during that break between being bought out by the Pistons and signed with the Nets was like the most recovery he's had in his body in a really long time. So like... It feels like Blake could even be healthier next season. I don't expect him to be like throwing down posters on a regular basis or anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw maybe a little bit more consistent athletic pop where we only saw it at certain points during the year. And like I said, I don't think he's going to turn back the clock or anything like that, but he might just feel a little bit better and he'll move a little bit better on the court. Yeah, maybe right-handed dunks as well as those off-handed dunks. We'll, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. But uh, Paul Millsap, Nick, was interesting hearing from him today because – you know, he was saying that it was um, that the contract that he signed with the Nets was the hardest decision that he's ever made when it came to basketball. And talking about his role, he wasn't totally sure. You know, he hasn't obviously communicated with Steve Nash. Obviously, Steve Nash, I believe, is down in San Diego right now. So you would assume that those conversations will be long and extensive. But what he did say was, when I played with these guys, being the Nets, for the first time the other day, I knew they were good, but I didn't know they were this good especially the young guys. So he's probably talking about, you know, Killer Cam there, probably a bit of Bruce Brown action, Daron Sharp, oh, those Nick sort of Claxton. guys. Nick Claxton too. Uh, and he did also say in regards to his role, whatever role Coach Steve gives me, I'll be open to it, whatever to help this team win. So despite the, I guess, the the hesitancy, you know, with, with, with the decision in the first place, uh, it seems that Paul Millsap's all in. And I, I think that he's going to, as I alluded to him, 
He might have been one of the big names that came up in our lineups episode with Lucas Kaplan, a guy that could just provide us a lot of versatility. And I think that his versatility um, is going to be a big part of his role. Yeah, and I think he's kind of almost a wild card to an extent because we don't really know what to anticipate. Could the Nets end up using him more than we think? For sure. Could they end up using him less than we think? For sure. Could he have these sporadic moments where he's really good for the team? Like, there's just so many different question marks, especially when you have this many guys in the rotation. But I think listening to Paul Millsap and, you know, seeing the previous reports, it came down to like, hey, yeah, maybe I can make a million more dollars with this other team. But at the end of the day, I want to win a championship. And I believe Brooklyn's the best spot for that to happen while still also contributing in some way. No doubt. No doubt about that. Now, Nick, I'm, I'm, I wanted to start the podcast with Patty Mills quotes. We've sprinkled them in there, in there, here and there. Uh, but we'll definitely get to them right now. Again, alluding to the Kevin Durant factor, there's a number of reasons why I'm here, but the main was the conversation with Kevin. These guys are going to have the best bromance in the history of all bromances. I don't need Kevin Durant and James Harden, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I'm not shipping them anymore. I'm, I'm, this is like Zendaya and Tom Holland for me, Nick. You know, Patty Mills <laughs> and Kevin Durant. I'm all about it. Yeah, I mean, it should be awesome. And obviously, when you have a player of Kevin Durant's caliber telling you, like, hey, I want you to come play with us in Brooklyn. We think you can be a part of us winning a championship. That's going to excite you, especially because, like, the last couple of years in San Antonio really haven't been that great. They, you know, they haven't been competing for championships. And Patty Mills was doing that earlier in his career with them. So kind of getting back into this competitive championship mindset, I think, will be really good. But then also, like we talked about before with KD, just how he fits in this offense and kind of how he can contribute and play in so many different ways and kind of what we talked about before when he signed in his press conference saying that like he gets to play closer to how he plays with the Australian team rather than how he played in San Antonio so kind of a little bit more free-flowing and more just freedom to play offensive basketball yeah probably old school San Antonio basketball in a lot of ways there are certainly some principles that Steve Nash has has instituted with the current version of the Brooklyn Nets and Nick but obviously before we get to Bruce Brown Clack Seku and Killer Cam did you see the photos that um, Patty Mills is posting on Instagram, you know, on the on the Brooklyn Bridge with his partner and all the selfies and all the fun stuff as well? Yeah, I did see a couple of them. Probably not as many as you, Jack, but... <laughs> I'm just... I just can't wait to actually get to Brooklyn. Seeing that Aussie in Brooklyn only makes me want right, to... Right. to yeah, you know, look, I, if, if I'm in the, the same building... I, I, he's, uh, again, he's just... He, there's just a character. There's just a... A, an inherent intangible nature about Paddy Mills that you just can't help but be drawn to and love. And, you know, obviously everyone loves the internationals and the Aussie accent, but, you know, Paddy Mills is just all about culture. And he was, he was preaching that about Brooklyn and, you know, how much he's going to love that. Um, I just can't wait for, for him to put on that black and white, the, the number eight and, and see him show stuff for this team, you know, in the preseason, the postseason, in the regular season, in all seasons, in summer, autumn, winter, spring. Uh, Paddy Mills is going to be a guy that I'm watching with the, the closest of close eyes, my third eye, if you will, if I'm going to quote Kyrie Irving. But, yeah, it's uh, I'm feeling this way, and he hasn't even played, you know, a second yet for the Brooklyn Nets, but hopefully he's playing many, many minutes for many, many years to come. So super-duper freaking excited for... Paddy Mills at uh, Brooklyn um, in a matter of weeks, Nick. You know, we'll be seeing it very, very soon. Yeah, and I think like you mentioned, Jack, you know, I think Sean Marks had a couple quotes saying how, you know, Patty Mills and how he'll add to the culture in the locker room and be just a great guy to have on this team. And I, I feel like he will be somebody who's really well-liked. And you could just kind of see the vibes from him at Media Day. 
Yeah, I mean, we've talked about, you know, maybe ideas for Patreon and, you know, expanding this podcast, Nick. You know, I've joked about, you know, my Joe Harris only fans in the past and such, but a Patty Mills Patreon, it's got a nice ring to it. It's certainly, you know, I love the, the alliteration. You know, if people are out there willing to contribute to it, you know, it will take plenty of time and care and money, but I'm willing to make that sacrifice um, <laughs> if other people are willing to get on board as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously you do have an obsession. Joe Harris is probably a little upset if he's been listening to the podcast, but it is what it is. You know, Australia over everything for you. Absolutely, mate. You know, it's the national pride. Um, and especially that, that pride is as prideful as ever when it comes to Mr. Mills. But uh, a man that we all love here, the man who has the same initials as our podcast, Nick Bruce Brown, um, had some interesting quotes relating to, you know, his individual game, talking about, you know, his three-point shot and his role. Um, he said, and AJ Brown as well as Billy Reinhardt had similar sort of quotes with this. He said, I think my role will kind of say the same. I've been working on my shot all summer. Nick, what is Bruce Brown as the the Biggie Smalls, as he was um, his role was referred to as, with a three-point shot? What is that on this Nets team? What is that for the league? Is that scariest hours? Yeah, I mean, it depends on how good we're talking this three-point shot. Like, if he's shooting, you know, mid-30s, that'd be amazing. If he's shooting, you know, just around 35 or 34%, that'd be a big upgrade to the offense. Last year, he shot 28.8% from three. So obviously not getting a ton of respect out there. It would really put the defenses in even a bigger, you know, worse situation in terms of like, what do I do here? And if he could really develop that into just being a consistent three-point shot, like I said, 35 or 36, then he's a true three and D player on the team rather than kind of not having that option out there. So obviously it would drastically add to his paycheck as well. This upcoming off season, like teams would be willing to throw a lot more money at him because he does just have unique elements to his game from his floater to his cutting to his ability to kind of finish through contact and then just the nature in which he plays. So if Bruce was able to add a three point ball, like we're talking about one of the better role players in the NBA, just because of the way he can complement stars. Yeah, I think he might have seen, you know, what he's dude, what he's what his bro Terrence Mann was doing, you know, in the postseason matchup against the Utah Jazz in those three balls in, in Rudy Gobert's face. And, you know, when Bruce hits those threes, you know, the opposition does know about it. He loves a bit of a yep. shimmy, loves to to talk some some shit and oh, I love that as well. And but yeah, we we've obviously spoken about this, you know, the Instagram videos and such. His form looks good. Um, and I think that's the number one sort of thing, you know. He as long as it doesn't look, you know, wonky and weird. You know, just take him. You know, I, I think that in our season preview episodes, I'm wanting Bruce Brand to take, you know, three shots, you know, three threes a game, even more. Whatever the offense, if that means he's taking five a night, if he's being left alone because, you know, there's four other offensive guys, um, uh, then then do it. Now, I, I'm, but I'm intrigued to see if that three ball is as reliable as he thinks it is. You know, I wouldn't put it past him, but the, the proof will be in the pudding, that is for sure. Yeah, 100%. And it'll be interesting to see how that kind of develops. If he starts off well, maybe he starts shooting more throughout the season. It just, like I said, adds another element. And I think it's really deflating for the opposing team if now, like, your worst option is now knocking down the shot that you were hoping you can give up to the offense. Exactly. Another guy that's been working on his shot, Nick, is our, our dude, Clack City. Um, he said to Matt Brooks and, and Nets Media, they focus on getting stronger. Uh, tweaking and tweaking a few things with my shot. He said he's up to 225 pounds. 
I don't know what that is in kilos. You guys need to get to the goddamn metric system. It's frustrating as hell. 105 kilos for the Aussie listeners and all the other metric system people out there. Uh, but certainly much bigger than he was in his rookie season. Uh, but he also did say, I look good and I feel good. Clax uh, is always looking good. Um, and I also wanted to, to, to throw out there as well, Nick, seeing him and Daron Sharp on the same sort of media podium, uh, that, that, that warms your heart and then some. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's cool to see the Nets young big guys. But the biggest thing for Clax is putting on that weight. You know, is it developed into strength? Is it going to have an impact? Probably not drastically in one year, but it's kind of a continued build for him to getting to a bigger size. But you love to hear him focusing on uh, tweaking a few things with a shot because if he can knock down a three-point ball, kind of similar to what we talked about Bruce Brown, his game just goes to another whole level. Like he becomes an extremely valuable piece in the NBA because of his defensive ability and potential as an you know, all-defensive def- all team type player and then actually having an offensive impact where he can now pick and pop or roll to the rim, especially with his speed. It just kind of adds another element. I, I'm not sure what to expect. I probably have more confidence in Bruce Brown being a, a solid three-point shooter this year than even, you know, Claxton being a below-average one just because we've yet to really see it at the NBA level. But if he does develop that, uh, I mean, really, really scary hours. Yeah, super-duper scary. Um, but in, in saying that as well, Nick, I did – I hate refer- – well, I don't hate referencing previous podcasts or whatever because everyone should be listening to all of them. But, you know, we have so many goddamn episodes and we can't help but reference what we've said previously. But I did say that in watching a little bit of video from year to year and you sort of, you know, piggybacked on this as well, that he has tweaked his form here and there, given shoulder injuries and that sort of such. And I guess the comfort of of his of of the shooting motion that he does have. So I wonder if if there's going to be even tweaks from what we saw this season. Um, in terms of that, but and also for those playing along at home, just looking it up, 225 pounds is only 102.06 kilograms. So he's not even, he's only like five, 10 kilos more than me. And you know, I'm only six foot goddamn three or I four. I weigh more than so. Nick Claxton. There we go. How about that? You know, only by like a few pounds, but still. <laughs> Nick and Nick and Nick in an arm wrestle. I'd pay that. I'd pay for that on a pay per view. Um, absolutely. I don't know but, if we could match up because his arms are definitely like I have pretty long arms for my size, but like his arms are probably like five inches longer. Yeah, that wingspan uh, is pretty cool. series uh, we'll be doing our preview series soon, uh, and the first one that will be dropping will be the bigs and clacks, obviously, as well as Millsap, Lamarcus Aldridge, Bruce, and uh, not Bruce Brown. It probably should be in Bruce Brown, um, as well as Blake Griffin. will be in that. But the, I think one other thing that I didn't put here with Klaxnick was talks of the contract extension. Yep. Any worries at all about the fact that there haven't been any discussions with Klaxnick's team? Uh, not really, because, I mean, I think it's kind of a make-or-break year to an extent for Klax in terms of that number. Like, the Nets could extend him at a really small number if he is kind of just the same player he was last year. But if he does add that three ball or gets more consistent, then I think he's going to get, you know, a pretty nice deal from the net. So I think it's wait and see for both sides. I think it would be, wouldn't be the smartest move for Nick Klaxon to sign it right now. You know, if he thinks that he can cash out and believes in himself to kind of take his game to another level and and the Nets, obviously, they don't want to throw money at somebody given their cap situation unless they're confident that they can stay healthy and continue to get better. I did get some extra money today, Nick, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Dear Lord, that was a, a big deal that they signed with their jersey sponsor deal. But um, speaking of all defensive candidates, it's Seku Demboya. <laughs> um, the man who I am big in on, Seku Standom. Um, I've got so much Standom that it's coming out my goddamn wazoo. Uh, but that he did say... That on his role this year, I'm just trying to be the best defensive player I can be. Nick, 
Are we going to have two players on the all defensive teams? Uh, highly unlikely, Jack. But I mean, I, I appreciate <laughs> the optimism in this situation. I mean, I think that's a smart statement from Sekou and a great way for him to have some type of impact this year. Like, I don't think, like we've talked about, he's a lock to be on this team. But if he were to be on this team, being a defensive, like, lockdown player that could impact the game with his length and defensive ability, especially in the net switching scheme, he has the tools to do it. Obviously, we've mentioned him before. He's extremely raw. But sometimes when you're just really athletic and really lanky, you can just find your way on the floor kind of early on for Nick Claxton. Yeah, and his uh, former teammate and current teammate now, Bruce Brown, was pretty optimistic about you know his chances to make an impact on the team too. Looking forward to seeing what Seiku does at training camp as well as in the preseason. But it would be remiss of us if we didn't finish with Killer Cam, Nick, and what he was speaking about um, and some quotes from him from Media Day. He said in relation to you know his own role, it's going to be tough because they're all vets, but I'm going to compete. I'm not just going to lay down. This Killer Cam mentality, man. Oh, bro. Get, or maybe I'll combine the Paddy Mills and, and Killer Camp. Look, the, the guards podcast that we do when we have to speak about Cam Thomas and Paddy Mills, it's going to be a four-hour podcast. Be prepared. Yeah, I mean, it's always great to hear this from Cam Thomas. Where obviously, there wasn't really a ton from him today. But also, I think I saw a quote from Blake Griffin mentioning how like Cam Thomas was looking to just suck up information and kind of get better, and he was hungry. And obviously, that's kind of some of the energy you want for this team. And also, like... You know, a day in February or March where you have practice, nobody has really any juice. A guy like Cam Thomas might make things a little bit more competitive with the veterans than they might want it to be. But that ultimately, that's a good thing because he's kind of pushing them a little bit further. Yeah, maybe we'll see a preseason MVP from Kelly Cam <laughs> as well if we don't see much of our, our superstars. But yeah, the one thing you can never doubt about Cam Thomas is his mentality. And some people, you know, in the pre-draft workouts and interviews and such were, you know, put off by it. Um, but the Nets are lucky enough to have this kid and you know he's going to be soaking up all the wisdom and knowledge of all of our vets and other players and I think it's going to impact and he's going to have a very long and fruitful career hopefully as a Brooklyn Net and you know we'll be seeing some moments from him he'll be fighting um, and you can there's no doubt about that he is a fighter um, and he's going to be knocking down a few bodies along the way can't wait to see Killer Cam um, hitting some buckets hitting some threes uh, for this Brooklyn Nets team Nick, any other media day takeaways or things you wanted to touch on before we get to uh, the Nets continue to rake in the dollar-dollar bills? Yeah, I think there was another thing from Cam Thomas that you like to hear is just the fact that I think it was something about him working on his quick decision-making and playing kind of off-ball more rather than having the ball in his hands like Summer League, and that's kind of been his focus. So that's ideal in terms of like... Obviously, this situation with Kyrie, we're not really sure what's going to happen. But even so, like guys are going to get rested. There's going to be opportunities for him to kind of showcase that ability and be ready, which was kind of the same sentiment for Javon Carter. Like, this is a really good team, but there's going to be opportunities for everyone to play at some point. Just be ready when you're called upon. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Nick says, we don't need Kyrie and We have Cam Thomas. Take it to the <laughs> bank, aggregate it, put it out there, and let his mentions be absolutely exploding with fire and brimstone. Um, but, Nick... In terms of the the team itself, uh, obviously the Nets jersey patch deal was previously Motorola, I do believe. But yep. uh, as of today, and it's funny enough, when I went to the NBA.com Nets site, it's on it's splashed all across the homepage. Um, the Nets have signed a deal with Weeble, an online trading app. Uh, that's going to be an online sponsorship deal that is going to be worth $30 million annually, um, which is apparently 50% more than the Lakers or the Golden State Warriors got for their uh, jersey patch deals and the brand that the Lakers and Golden State Warriors have, I would argue, 
is a stronger, more worldwide brand than what the Brooklyn Nets have. But man, Joe Sy, Sean Marks, whoever's doing these business deals, more money, less problems. Yeah, I mean, obviously, great for the team. Add some more money. You're going to be paying a ton of luxury tax. You want to capitalize on opportunities like this when you can. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the Nets deal is a little bit more interactive than some of the other deals out there just because, like, it's a newer thing and the money amount is more. So you would assume there's got to be some little added incentive. Or maybe they're just doubling down on the Nets winning a championship and getting all that extra exposure. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, it's not just the Brooklyn Nets. It's the um, the Liberty, the Long Island Nets, the um, Nets GC, uh, which is the 2K League team um, as well. So the it's the whole Brooklyn brand, the Barclays brand, if you will. And, you know, obviously, the Liberty are a great team. Long Island obviously do their thing. And the Nets 2K League team um, is doing some pretty goddamn good things as well. So great decision, great things. And I, I think that some people, we, we did actually see it as well as the at the media day and the guys that were wearing their jerseys. I think a lot of people were sort of talking about the 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 look of the swoosh, uh, the Nike swoosh. But for me, $30 million for this, uh, it's a deal you take to the bank and you lock it, you sign it. Uh, $30 million per year, Nick. That's, um, I mean, to put it in perspective, you know, that's a, nearly a, a year of Kevin Rand's contract. So I don't know whether this affects, you know, Joe Sy's willingness to continue to pay guys to, throw an extension the way of Nicholas Claxton. You know, he's not going to have to pay him, you know, Michael Porter Jr. money. So um, we'll, we'll see it all pans out. But this is great news for the team. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I mean, anytime you can make money, anytime you get more exposure, and obviously if someone wants to pay that money, there's a reason why. So good for the Nets. Good for the Nets indeed. Um, Nick, we were going to get to these questions on a previous episode, but um, we didn't obviously have the time, but we do today and we'll get to them um, at the end here. Uh, Mazzy Mezzy Ofi on Twitter hit me up in the DMs and asked me a few questions he wanted us to address. Um, and I think they are pretty apt questions heading into training camp. Um, the first one, Nick, who is on the roster bubble for the 15-man roster? So I guess who's 13, 14, 15? Who's getting that second two-way um, as we head into San Diego in a matter of days? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the second two-way, that might end up to David Duke. I'm not really sure. We'll probably get a little bit more from that in training camp. In terms of who's on the actual NBA roster bubble, I think it's probably between Sekou and DeAndre Bembray for that last spot. You know, maybe, you know, people might mention the idea of James Johnson or Javon Carter, but I really think it's between Sekou and DeAndre Bembray in terms of who's going to get the final roster spot for the Nets. Yeah, look, and David Duke was actually spoke to Nets daily, um, as well, saying, you know, he expected it's going to be a competitive environment, all these little things here and there. I think we've advocated ever since that first summer league game and we saw what, you know, Duke can produce. It's basically a guard version of Kessler Edwards with more offensive chops, to be honest. You know, he's just got a, a pretty well-rounded game for a guy of his age and stature. Um, and yeah, I think obviously Devontae Kaycock's going to be there as well. We we announced that um, a little bit earlier, you know, 6% power forward, touched on that on a, a previous episode. So he'll be in the running there. Some people are about Javon Carter, but I think Javon Carter's pretty uh, set in stone. You know, there's guys like Raekwon Gray and Marcus Zegarowski. We don't know what their futures are going to be like with the Brooklyn Nets. But yeah, I think it's those four or five names. I think it's more likely hearing from Seiku at media day, you know, DeAndre Bembry was actually asked about, I guess, his status with the team. And he's just like, you know, he's not worrying about it at all. He's just going to do his thing. Um, I'm Team Seiku, you know, for obvious reasons, as I've mentioned uh, plenty of times. But, yeah, there's plenty of guys there. I would give the two-way definitely to David Duke Jr. Uh, but things could play out at the camp where, you know, Devontae Kaycock is locking down Kevin Durant or something. Or we see, you know, 
um, you know, DeAndre Bembry making life hell for James Harden, and they they can't do anything but choose to give the contract these guys away. But we'll see how it does all pan out. Um, but the Nets do have a glut there, and I think the competitive nature should hopefully bring out the best in some of these guys. And also you could make the the point that maybe what they do with the final roster spot will impact what they do with the other two-way spot, you know, kind of swapping whatever position they go for. If they go for, you know, the power forward with Sekou, maybe that means David Duke. If they go with DeAndre Bembre, maybe it's somebody else a little bigger body. So there's a, some different elements, and obviously, like you said, competition at training camp is ideal. Absolutely. Competition breeds the... I don't know. I don't have an analogy. Again, I haven't I've had five hours sleep. Um, <laughs> Nick, we'll get to the next question that we had from him. Who are persons seven to ten in the rotation? Now, we had a pretty deep discussion about lineups, and we'll be getting into, I guess, the depth as well in the rotation in our season previews as well. But as of, this, as of how it stands, Nick, who is seven, eight, nine, and ten? I guess to discuss that, you got to go through five and six um, as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, everyone knows one through three. You know, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. You know, I think you look at Joe Harris as being a guy that's going to play on a regular basis. Blake Griffin, um, Bruce Brown. Yeah, six. Um, Probably, I said Patty Mills. No, you did not. Patty Mills is going to be a guy. So, I'd probably put Patty Mills maybe higher than LaMarcus Aldridge, but I don't think order really matters here. Um, (laughs) um, Let's see. Paul Millsap? Yeah, I mean, it's... T- I know mean, Nick Claxton. And Paul Millsap? And that's your 10? I, I don't know if it's going to be Paul Millsap in the 10 because that, from a balance perspective, that wouldn't necessarily make a ton of sense just if you're looking at the minutes because, like, Kevin Durant's going to play some at the four, then you have LaMarcus Aldridge, then you have Blake Griffin, then you have Nick Claxton. Is it a lock that Paul Millsap is part of that group? It might end up being, like, a guard a little bit earlier on. Maybe it's even a Javon Carter or... You know, maybe they're looking for someone who's more wingy in terms of like a James Johnson. Because like the idea of like LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, and Nick Claxton and Paul Millsap all getting like a good chunk of minutes would mean that the Nets are essentially playing two bigs all the time, which doesn't seem super realistic given that the only big combo that makes a ton of sense is Blake Griffin and Nick Claxton or Claxton with X, Y, or Z. You know what I mean? Clax really the only other pairable big. Maybe you can play Paul Millsap and Blake Griffin. That's kind of yet to be seen. Yeah, I think that that's what the early part of the season will be about because, you know, the Nets are stacked at that center position, power forward, if you want to throw Paul Millsap in there. And obviously, Clax is can guard the wings and can probably play defensively for And like you said, play alongside Blake Griffin. But as you alluded to, Nick, you know, anywhere from anywhere 9 and 10, there's competition aplenty. Um, and, and I think that James Johnson was talking today about, you know, the fact that he's just going to bring that toughness and, and that grittiness, and that could certainly get him some minutes. You know, you throw Seku Demboyer in there, you throw Dionne Bembry in there, you know, Javon Carter. You know, anywhere from from 8, 9, and 10, it's as tough as hell. The, the, I think, like, the 9 minutes. through 13 is really, like, there's a lot of different possibilities. Like, the only guys, like... Whoever wins between DeAndre Bambere and Seku, I don't expect to get a ton of minutes. I don't expect De'Ron Sharp to get a ton of minutes. Everyone other than that, you could convince me they have a potential opportunity to find a way into the rotation. Obviously, I think for the guards, it's pretty hard to surpass James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Patty Mills, and you know Joe Harris and Bruce Brown playing some guard minutes. So like maybe they can squeeze some in there. It's going to be really interesting just given that you have three-star players that are going to suck up a majority of your minutes, even if they're playing a lesser amount this year. Yeah, I think all of these, a, a large majority of our rotation is multi-positional. You know, Joe yeah. Harris, 
playing anywhere for up to the four. You know, James Harden is a point guard, but play shooting guard and can guard guys in the post. Kevin Durant anywhere from three to five. The Marcus Aldridge is probably a five, but obviously yep. can pinch it a little bit of as, as a four. You know, Patty Mills is a one slash two. Bruce is biggie smalls as I alluded to earlier. Paul Millsap a four and a five. You know, Javon Carter probably the guards. You know, Bembry up can probably guard one to three, maybe four. James Johnson, you know, three four. Uh, Blake Griffin, obviously, maybe four slash five. Um, so yeah, I think that positional versatility allows the is the reason why the Nets have such a big glut um, and from seven to ten and you know nine to thirteen, as you've alluded to. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting just kind of see what styles they play and how big they play. Like, obviously, there's more opportunities for them to play big this year. Is that a a style they want to get into a little bit more or just kind of have in their bag? So for me, that's what makes kind of the rotation talk one of the hardest aspects to really know about this team. Because even last year, like looking at the center position, not to get into our bigs preview, there were a lot of deficiencies where now you have a lot of different options. Not to say this group is perfect, but it's substantially better than what we saw last year. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Anthony Davis was just he was on this team, so then he could play power forward for the rest of his life. But um, it's it's just weird because we're not used to seeing such depth at this position for the next team ever since Sean Marks arrived here for the past six yeah. years. You know, there, there was just a, a media. They typically only have two playable bigs. Yep, and there's plenty more. There's four or five. Yep. Um, and if you want to throw, you know, James Johnson, Kevin Durant in that mix as well, there's even more. But final one, Nick, this is probably a pretty pertinent question as well. Which player needs to improve most from last season for the Nets to achieve their title goals? Ultimately, I think if the Nets were healthy, they would have won last season. So I, I'm not sure anyone needs to drastically improve unless you're talking about health. But if there's one player who could add another element to this team and kind of take them to another tier higher, that would probably be Nick Claxton, in my opinion, just given his potential defensively. And he was able to make himself himself more impactful offensively. That would just make him just acquire a ton of minutes and be more reliable in a playoff situation. Yeah, I mean, I had the same answer, but to make it a... An argument for someone else, you know, Bruce Brown, if he hits yep. that three ball, you know, that can take his game to another level. And, you know, my guy, Joey Buckets, if he can, you know, get the playoff demons behind him and actually play the way even 80, 85, 90% of what he produces in the regular season in the postseason too, then, you know, that's a, a marked improvement from, you know, the downgrade that he has shown in, in his postseason basketball as a Brooklyn Nets so far. So, those are probably the three names that do stick out. I like you know, the Joe Harris one. I think that's a really good point, Jack, because it's not like his game truly needs to improve. He just needs to carry it over to the postseason because if he were to shoot at that level in the postseason, even without Kyrie Irving and, a, you know, a, a hobbled James Harden, the Nets might finish that series in five. Like, that's a real possibility because they're winning game three and Kevin Durant, if he still has that magic performance, he might even get a little bit more help from Joe Harris. So I just think, even in, the, even in the game four, you probably just have more pop because Harris is providing that element. So if he can find a way to just get more comfortable in the postseason, and I think also another test for him, and we saw KD kind of push him to do this uh, last year, take more contested threes because that's just what you're going to have to deal with in the postseason. To quote Kevin Durant, shoot it. Um, yeah. We know, KD, you can't. Man, the, the, it's it's days and weeks away, Nick, until we see this team actually out there on the court. And we're not talking about rotations. We're seeing them. We're seeing the improvement. We're seeing Kevin Durant's shorty stuff. We're seeing Patty Mills shoot threes and jump around like a, a goddamn Australian god that he is. But uh, fun episode. A lot of takeaways from Media Day. 
thankfully the majority of this podcast wasn't spoken about COVID related talk uh, and we're not a Washington Wizards podcast and we're not a Kyrie podcast we are a Brooklyn Nets podcast and glad that we're getting into some season preview stuff we'll obviously be keeping abreast of all the the news related to Kyrie Irving um, and how that affects the the Nets team going forward but there's so many other storylines as well to keep um, on top of with this Nets team and we'll be kept on top of them and then some and Thank you to everyone that's been giving us the reviews, the five stars and everything. It's uh, very, very much appreciated. If you haven't done so yet, let's get it to that magic three-digit 100 number. Hopefully get it by, you know, the first preseason game, if not regular season game. Let's get to 200. I want it all, Nick. I want it more. I want more. I want the championship. I want 200 reviews. Give it to me. Yeah, I mean, it really helps us, too, in, in terms of getting more downloads and different things, and it allows us to kind of spend even more time on podcasting and then maybe even drop more podcasts. So appreciate you guys, especially in girls, everyone listening, whatever it is, we appreciate you. And like you said, Jack, plenty of preview stuff to still do, probably a lot of topics. And also, like you said, you know, we talked about Kyrie, but even without him or whatever happens with that situation, there's still a million other things to be happy about with the Brooklyn Nets and where they are in this situation. But as always, you can check the buzz on all stream platforms.